Welcome to The Morning Crew, a grief podcast hosted by three gals in their mid-20s. Here, talking about grief is completely normal and a part of our everyday life. So grab a cup of coffee or a drink. Grief conversations can actually be that casual. So let's talk about it. Hello. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We have a part two episode today. We talked about the stages of grief in our last episode, and we went through three of the stages, but we had two remaining. So we're finishing up today talking about depression and acceptance. Um, but before we dive in, I wanted to ask if any of y'all have any updates. Yes, I have. Um, and I actually have two updates now that I'm thinking about it. Um, they both have to do with my boyfriend, Will. Um, so first of all, the one that I didn't just shock you guys with right before we were started to press record so we could record your live reaction. Um, this last week, I went to the recess cycle holiday party um and kind of the whole time it was a very very small thing um there were about 20 people and the whole kind of leading up to it i was almost really um weirdly anxious and like putting it up in my head because my boyfriend has the same name as bevan's husband and for some reason i was like really stressed about introducing her to him because i didn't want her to be like have any kind of anything um so although it was a very weird i'm sure not normal way of making things. I don't know. I made it, I made it a big deal in my head and it wasn't that big of a deal. And, um, when I, when I introduced them, you know, she hugged him and was like, you know how lucky you are. Like it was all very, very sweet. And like, she was talking to me about with, about how lovely he was all night and it wasn't a thing. Um, but I kind of had created that thought and like a little bit of like, I hope I don't like trigger something whenever I'm like, Oh, here's this other guy around. We're gonna, you know, who has the shares the same name. And, um, so I actually even talked to him about it going over it like on the way there. I was like, I've been a little bit weird about this. Um, so luckily it was all fine. Everything was great. And she did a great tribute to Will there. Um, but I was a little bit causing a little bit of a, a thing in my head about that. That's so interesting. I never would think about a name potentially like being a trigger, but you're so right. Like, especially... I don't know. I still consider it pretty fresh for her loss. And so just even hearing that person's name. And I think also, especially when it's you're losing a partner or a spouse versus like in my head and maybe Kelsey, you feel like this or maybe Mads, like if you had nicknames for your parents or grandparents or just like calling them mom, dad, papa, like those are our names for people. So when I like hear the person I grieved's name, it's not as alarming, but I can imagine if it was my partner or spouse, it'd be very different. Yeah. I'll add to that. I didn't think about that either. And I agree with you, Kath, since we more so are thinking of like the title of somebody versus a name. Um, but the fact that it's like, it was her spouse, it's your boyfriend, it is fresh. It's at her event. Because here's the thing, you know, when she hears it, of course she thinks of him. And you knew you were going to, like, that was going to happen and you were being aware enough and educated enough as a griever yourself to, like, think about it so much ahead of time, which is, like, so thoughtful for and empathetic of you. And at the end of the day, like, she's going to hear people who have that name and that's just really sweet. You thought of it and the fact that you, like, didn't make it 
a thing and she didn't make it a thing, you know, and she was so nice about it. It's great to hear, but that is kind of a fascinating point. Yeah. I, I also talked to him about it on the way, like I said, and I was like, it feels so weird because it's something I'm so proud of, but like, I just don't, I think it's because it's so, it's been such a big part of the community's lives as well. So like, it's just very top of mind um, for me, but it all worked out great. That was that. Um, and on a lighter note, uh, I am bringing Will along with me to Hawaii this year. So in January, we'll get to go and I'll get to take him to all of the spots that I talked to you guys about and show him that space. It's really special to my family. Have we? Okay. So she announced this to us before we started recording and both Kelsey and I's like jaws dropped. This is the first like family vacation that you're taking with him. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Okay. So that's a big step. I feel like big step in the relationship. Also, I feel like, you know, obviously there's so much meaning and with the place that you're going to and so much thoughtfulness and just like just a lot of memories that are built around that place. How are you feeling about like integrating him into that part of your life? Um, I'm really excited about it. And I think that's part of the reason. Um, so backstory, my as I've told you guys, my dad grew up going to Maui. And so whenever we, me and my sister both started new partnerships, he offered to have both of our partners come with us. And when he first, he was like, you know, I always brought people growing up. Like, I want you to be able to share this space with someone. And at first I was like, no, like he's not going to come. Um, and then actually it's been a minute since we decided, but I guess it was probably like three months ago. Um, after they had booked the initial plane tickets, I was like, you know what? Like, we are kind of serious. I do really want to share that with him. So I think that's part of the reason of, like, wanting him to go along was to share it, um, share the space, have him meet all of our friends that tell the stories of Papa, getting to show him the condo. Um, and it sounds really corny, and you guys can fully roll your eyes at me. But it's like – I was like, everything's a little bit better when he's there. So I feel like it would be a little bit – it's nice to have that, especially with my sister and her partner were going to go because um, – they had planned on going before and I was like, Oh, I'm just going to go hang out with my family. Um, but I realized slowly, I was like, you know, I think everything's a little bit better when he's around and I think it will help not only my emotional side of things, um, but being able to share that with him and have him there as like a partner in crime. And I've never dated anyone seriously that I would think about doing anything like that with. Like I've never traveled. Like it's so it's, it's crazy for me too, but um, it doesn't feel that way. I'm very excited about it. And so we will be meeting my family out there. So they'll be going, a few days before us and we'll be meeting them out there. Um, and I I saw this TikTok that I would sent him and I was joking around and it's like when your girlfriend is more excited about the eight hour plane ride to go on vacation than like just like sit next to you for eight hours. So I'm sure he's looking, so, looking so forward to all the games I'm going to make him play. But Oh my gosh, Mads, I'm so excited for you and just seeing you literally like beam as you're talking about this. And that is so exciting first like family trip and first time doing it and like Cass said Hawaii being such a special place has he met everybody already or is that going to be anybody's first time meeting out there my family he's officially met them um, my dad just came to visit this last week and he got to meet them then um, as far as like our friends go we only see them that one time of year so he'll be meeting all of our friends um, as well as my sister's partner but my family he, he knows so it'll be good and they all they all like him a lot <laughs> That just sounds absolutely magical. We'll be like so excited to hear the full recap afterwards and all of the um, specialness like with 
your grandpa and like being able to show him that I feel like that's only going to make y'all's connection deeper and more special. And I'm just so happy for you. So thanks for sharing a happy announcement, which this podcast doesn't always have. And that's okay. (laughs) But we love hearing happy announcements too. Yes, I agree. Um, Very, very excited for you and happy. And you'll have to tell us all about it after um, when the time comes in January. So excited to hear. And diving into today's topic, we, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, covered three stages of grief in our last episode, denial, anger, and bargaining. And, And just as a refresher, we kind of discussed how these stages aren't always linear and can kind of come and go throughout the grieving process. So I would say the remaining two, the same applies to those. Um, But today we're going to be covering depression and acceptance um, to kick off. So I think first and foremost, depression can often get confused with actual mental illness of depression, but it's more commonly referred to as like an acute sadness and the response to the great loss. So the kind of retreating from the world, like in the immediate aftermath of loss, um, not feeling like, or it can feel really long lasting and we kind of just withdraw from life. Um, A lot of the thoughts also that come across our minds are like, what's the point of doing anything right now when you've experienced such heavy part of your life that has gone missing and you can't even focus on anything else? And kind of that realization that we won't get our loved ones back. I know um, this can also happen whether it's within that first immediate year or it could even happen very delayed years on. For me, I think I had a very delayed depression state or fog state where kind of the emotions all hit. Um, And I've talked a little bit about it with my scrapbook. Um, That was kind of like the outpour and of the start of that phase. But I'm curious, I'll kind of kick it off to you, Kels, first. If you have felt this strongly in your first couple years, or if you think like you haven't really gone to this stage yet. Yeah, I think you distinguishing too that it's not necessarily the mental illness, but it's like so connected to loss specifically. And I think I have experienced this, but I didn't experience this like instantaneously because as we've explained also, all of these stages don't have to happen in any particular order. We talked about that in the last episode, but definitely initially I was dealing more with shock and it not feeling real and logistics and overwhelm and so many other things that it really was almost like when my life started, quote unquote, settling back into the normal routine is when I think I hit this. So as I've said, I went home to Salinas for a few months when this was all happening and afterwards. And it was really when I moved back to SF that I remember. And it was something that was a little hard for me to distinguish while you're in it. But then as I was kind of coming out of it, I felt like in reflection, I'm like, huh, that wasn't my kind of normal energy. And I remember it coinciding with the holidays, which also makes a lot of sense, right? Like you're triggered by just normally times that are very happy and exciting and very much involve them and then suddenly don't. I remember just feeling like 
a little lower energy, a little lower mood, being really tired. That struck me, the tiredness. Um, I remember kind of just like not wanting to interact almost with my roommate. It was a really good friend as much and kind of talking to her about this after the fact. And I was kind of like, hey, I think the past few months, like I've just been, you know, I've heard another podcast explain is like griefy, like it's a very griefy time or like I was feeling so griefy and, but it was so new for me. I didn't know how to like label that quite yet. Um, and I, well, I've experienced a lot of anxiety in my life. I had never experienced really any form of depression. So it was just kind of all new for me. And now when I've gone in little bouts of it, I can, um, I can recognize it so much more. And I don't think I've gone in as long of a run of feeling that way as I did. And kind of, so she passed away in June and I want to say it was around that like November, December, January time that I was like a handful of months. I felt that I also like my work had kind of calmed down. So there was less distraction and more space for me to just kind of like feel the grief and be kind of down by it and just having to acknowledge like that's okay and that is expected. That is a part of the grieving process and giving yourself the time and like not judging yourself for like, why are you being tired right now? Why are you being lazy right now? Why are you not hanging out with your friend right now? Like you're in your twenties, you should be doing things. You should be having fun. Like those are maybe the thoughts that could come up and trying to, and learning how to combat those and being like, you went through something traumatic And therefore, you taking some time to process that and be, you know, resting and take care of yourself is important. Um, And then last point here, I know I'm kind of going on, the the quote that came to me when thinking about this point um, is from a famous actress. Um, Kath, can you help me remember her name? Beanie Feldstein. Yes. Beanie Feldstein. Just pictured her face completely blanked on her name for a minute. Um, She wrote about grief saying, it's like all of a sudden a pair of glasses were strapped to my face and I can't take them off ever. And these glasses make me see the world differently than I did before. And I think anyone who's gone through a really significant loss can relate to that. Um, And I feel like in that adjusting phase – I connected that with like that initial depression, almost like an adjusting to processing the world differently. Um, Your body almost has to like slow down and reset. And yeah, I don't know if any of that resonates with any of you guys, Um, Mads, Kath or Mads. Yeah, go for it. Um, I was going to ask you, and I'm glad that you touched on it because although we're saying, and it's, it's true that it's this form of depression we're talking about is not the mental illness. A lot of the symptoms are pretty similar. I mean, um, you can kind of withdraw, you can have this acute status, you can wonder why you could be tired, all of the things. So I was going to ask, you kind of touched on it, but how you, it was different for you to go through that because you don't experience it all the time. Um, But also, do you think that now, like you said, it's been triggered by the holidays and things in the past. Do you have any of those feelings now as we're walking into the holiday season and and kind of what do you have in your toolkit now to be able to prevent that since you are aware of it and able to pull yourself out of it? Totally. I think my toolkit was definitely just not fully formed yet naturally that first year. And it was like the come down of all of, you know, the distraction and the avoidance I was doing. Um, I would say 
there is still a little bit of that anticipatory anxiety that still is there going into the holidays that was not there before. And this year it's a little layered up because it's the first holiday season without Nana there in addition to then the third without my mom. So it's like, that's a little bit layered, but I don't feel it in the same way because I've I have this sense of like, I've already been through a few holidays. I kind of know what to expect. If there's like a sad moment or a low moment that comes up, it doesn't feel so foreign. I'm kind of just able to like, you know, know when I want to take a step away from something or know when I want to find ways to honor both of them or talk about both of them and um, not feeling like I have to be 100% happy and on for every single moment and like those are kind of the things as well as, you know, therapy and making sure I'm prioritizing still like exercise and going outside and like some normal things like that. Um, I'm always aware like this time of year drinking obviously just kind of naturally increases with all the events and holidays. And that, of course, is linked to mental health stuff and being aware of that, that my anxiety and like lower moods can come from drinking a lot. So just being aware that like I, I've dealt with this beast before and it felt most intense that first time. And I'm sure like that's not to say I'm never going to have like a big chunk of time where I feel that low mood again, but I don't feel, I'm, I'm I guess I'm fortunate to say I don't feel as intense as I did before. Kath, how about you with these kind of feelings or the holidays? Yeah, I feel like I had anticipatory anxiety as well. Um, a lot of the holiday seasons, especially when I was younger, I really didn't like that. But I think that it helped that there were a lot of distractions at holidays because it's so much family gathering. And like if there's little kids, that's always a distraction. It's always interesting as a side note, like when the generations kind of age out and you're at a point where there's no kids, the holidays feel almost kind of weird without uh, kids around. And right now, that's kind of what's happening in my family. Like it would be my generation to be having the kids and we all know that that's not happening right now. So, um, so yeah, so I feel like, but my point was when there's a lot of those distractions, it's easier to focus on that instead of like maybe the sadness around um, loss during the holiday season. I surprisingly now feel like I did a 180 and really lean into the holiday season because it makes me feel better. I don't know what that is or like, it's just, I guess, me liking the holidays and the joy and the cheer and the lights and everything like that. And maybe it's almost like a coping mechanism of like, oh, well, I don't want to be sad around this time. So let me, let me just lean into all of the happiness that like we're marketed <laughs> like towards and stuff like that. So I would say that that's kind of like my feelings around it. What about you, Mads? I know um, something that I think is interesting. I didn't know about mental health, obviously, when I had experienced my loss. And I know you've been kind of open with that on the pod. How do you think, and again, not saying that this stage of grief is that, but do you think that you if you had dealt with mental health before, were you able to recognize it during loss? 
so it didn't come as much of a surprise to you? Or were there really new feelings where it was so overwhelming that you that was unfamiliar? Um, that's a good question. And I do think that it was pretty status quo because I had been dealing with it for so long. Um, I think I know I've said it, but I'll refresh. I was diagnosed with severe depression at 15. Um, so I didn't know the things, the time in life that was supposed to be fun and carefree wasn't that for me. Like I had a lot of other things I was dealing with um, personally, just in my brain and in my body. Um, so I think that it was a little bit easier to swallow, I guess. Um once I realized that some of the feelings I would have coincide with feelings I know only because I know I'm able to get out of them. Um, and in a really, this is going to sound really shitty, but it almost was nice. I'm doing air quotes, nice to know that my other people in my family were kind of having similar feelings to the things that I feel a lot. Um, and that sounds really shitty because obviously I don't want anyone to like feel feel that way or feel hurt or feel, you know, why and, you know, the acute sadness and not thinking that whatever you're doing, you know, not being worth it. But it was almost like a little bit like I'm not at this spot alone because I feel like so many other times when I would go through the ups and downs, I would feel very alone. And so although grief can be very like full of loneliness and and show you that in a lot of other ways, I didn't feel that in this part of it because it was like I had a crew that was like matching my level, which nobody, I'm not saying I want anyone to match my level of sadness or depression or anything, but it was just an interesting turn or something to think about that I wasn't expecting. That's such an interesting point because obviously um, any form of depression or different mental health things can feel so isolating. And that's why, you know, we talk about mental health awareness and want to give resources, but grief is an interesting one in that like you said, it creates kind of a shared sadness or a shared time of loss or grieving. And of course, as we say, while everyone has their different timelines or different ways, there often is some sense, like you said, of like matched sadness. So that's an interesting comparison to kind of like the standard depression people endure versus like depression associated with grief. Um, But then I guess my counterpoint is what happens when at the start, maybe everyone's kind of in the same page, but then you see other family members going off almost on different schedules or in different waves and people then are going up and down at different times and you're not in sync. Mad said you have experience with that, just throwing it back to you since that was your initial thought. Yeah. And I think that it worked out actually to the benefit because there are so many of us um, and there's a group not that all cousins aren't loved the same, but there's a group of us girls who are very close. There's like six of us. So um, I remember like the week before the funeral and the, going to the funeral, we were all together. We weren't with our own parents. Like we were with my aunt and uncle, but like we were, I was with my dad. Like I was like with like their clan. So it was almost nice to kind of have so many like-minded people who, although we were going through different stages, um, we knew that the other person had been there or had was aware of it. So it was like our crazy was like not like crazy, you know, like it's like people like if if my cousin Kelly was there, um, was in a high and I knew that like, you know, she was in whatever stage of it it was. And then I was still down here. I'd know that it would switch and that it wasn't that it was just that I was here because of just my depression, that I was here because Kennedy could be down here too now because of this loss. And then she could be up and I could be up. Um, and so it was kind of nice because there were like six or seven of us that were really, really close. So 
odds are more than one of us were always in the same stage of things or had just been there. So it was, it was kind of like, it, it wasn't really that, that um, viewpoint of it wasn't really almost made things better. I guess it was almost a positive because the crew had had experience there or were there or weren't there. Um, as far as the adults go, I kind of tuned a lot of that part out because I felt like at that point I was like, I'm with like my like, at that point I, I was just in survival mode and I was like, I'm going to be with like, we're just going to take care of each other. Like that's what we're going to do. Our parents are taking care of grandma. Like they've got it figured out. Um, so the cousins kind of banded together a little bit more than than normal, but that was also a good, a good point to make. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like I would have felt the same way in terms of survival mode. And I also wanted to just touch back and say that normalizing that kind of shitty feeling of other people also feeling that sadness, I kind of felt that actually with the pandemic, um, not to say like I was happy that a lot of people were experiencing loss. It was actually more the people that were experiencing like all of these also mental health things during the pandemic and it was their first time because they were grieving like their lives because everything was shut down and it was like normalizing conversation I felt more so around mental health and loss and and just different types of grief so I mean this podcast idea was like born amidst all of that and I remember talking about it with some people and then discussing to me like how important it was during that time because we were grieving like the lives we had known or whatever. So just to say that I've had that feeling as well. Um, whereas like, oh, this person hadn't dealt with any sort of like anxiety before. And now maybe they like relate more a little bit to me, even though I don't want them to be struggling at all. But it did feel a little bit like, okay, we can like talk through this together or I can be there for as a support for you. That definitely makes a lot of sense. And I think the pandemic being kind of like, it was a horrible time for so many, but we were in it together. And that feeling of like, in unprecedented ways, everyone was going through loss in some way. And like you said, we're all not wanting this on people. It is just like a part of life that people will experience loss. So I wonder, honestly, if the three of us um, almost feel like a different connection with some of our friends, like, 30, 40, 50 years from now, 60, 70, 80 years from now, whenever our friends who are closest to us inevitably do like lose a parent or lose a close grandparent or something like that. And again, it's like a hard thing to talk about because I don't want to picture it, but I just wonder because right now, one of the reasons like we're starting this podcast as the three of us is we're all so young to be experiencing more serious loss. Like we are all in our mid to late 20s here. And Right now, our relationships with our friends, and of course, all of us have maybe a friend here or there, but like the bulk of our friends like haven't gone through something like this. So I just wonder in that perspective, like if that sparks any thoughts from either of you guys, like if we're all going to feel a shift or like for Kath, I guess for you and I, like when people, like I said, hopefully it's decades from now, like start to lose their parents, like are they going to come to us first knowing we can like speak that language in a different way. I think that I'm just going to jump in really, really quick, but I think that it's definitely been on my mind. It hasn't happened yet, this like wave. And I know it's a really like kind of shitty thing to look into the future like that. 
Um, I will say in terms of like some of my family members that are older, like older cousins that where it's becoming maybe more normalized in their age group, um, that I had one cousin come up to me after his mom's funeral. So my aunt and say like how he really wanted to lean on me because I had gone through this experience before. And I'm talking about somebody that's like 15 years older than me. So in that example, I felt sort of like, whoa, I didn't, I, it didn't, I didn't think of it like that, to be quite honest. I didn't think that I would be like that. And I think it was just an age thing of like, he's more mature, he's experienced more life. But then at the same time, like, I've experienced life in a different way, or I've experienced more in this capacity. So I thought it was honestly kind of like, really flattering, which sounds weird, that he like came up to me and almost like humbling in a sense of like, he knows, even though doesn't see me as like a kid, I guess, I guess is what I'm trying to say there, like really viewing me as an adult that has experienced this and can like talk, he can talk to and vent to about it. Um, so that kind of like threw me off guard when in terms of that, but in terms of like friends and peers, I do wonder what it'll be like because me specifically, it was just so different. And I think that it might be hard to relate to the loss, but of course there will be so many parallels, even like between Kelsey and I, like there's going to be a lot of differences in our stories, of course, but the age thing I think plays such an important factor for me. Um, I wanted to ask about, did you say your cousin or your your uncle, but whoever you were just speaking about, um, how did you react to, to that in the moment when someone's saying that, when you're already kind of in that grief space, literally at, at a funeral? Like, <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I thought it was like pretty heavy, but I think I also was like, of course, like I'm always here to talk and just kind of like went into protective mode almost in a sense like right away because it was such a sensitive environment and there was heaviness around us but I also didn't want to open it up for conversation like right then and there because I was like you're gonna have so many thoughts like in the next couple of days weeks hours like and so you should just like process that on your own and then and then we can come back to the table and like, obviously I'll be here to listen to it. And I was there too in, in the short term as well. But I just know that the freshness of it all, like, I feel like we needed a beat before we started um, opening up that conversation. But um, Mads, I don't know. What do you think about Kelsey's question? Um, it was something I was thinking about for sure. Um, I don't have a good answer to it, I don't think. And I think it's interesting because... I do talk to you, Kath, who you lost your dad when you were young. I've grown up with Shannon, who lost her dad when she was in high school. Um, so I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I think it's interesting. Um, and I have to be careful specifically with Shannon just because I've known her for so long to not make her be like the person I go to every time I'm like down or sad or feeling grief or feeling any kind of ways with that. Although I know that that's my best friend and like she's, she's, she's cool with it. Um, but it's kind of like not wanting to like take advantage almost. Um, and that was part of the reason I was so happy to have her on the podcast because we could talk about it. Cause remember I said, like, we talk about everything. I just was on the phone with her before tonight and, um, we never really talked about it. So I think that 
I don't have a good answer to that specific question, but that was what came to my mind when we were talking about the different relationships and age differences and and all experience experiences, right? Because you know, you have a very different, like you said, Catholic story from Kelsey, and you have different, like although you've both lost parents, you have a lot of different perspective because of your age and the way you and when you when you lost him and um, Kelsey too. You know, she has her own different experience, so it's it's part of the whole reason that I think it's interesting and it will be interesting to continue to watch people unfortunately grieve and lose because that's life. Um, part of the reason I I'm okay talking about it so much is because we all have our own experiences. So I think that just, that's a little bit comforting to know that we have some parallels and some differences in that, and that we can all kind of throw them at each other to help when needed and wanted. Um, and I'm grateful for the podcast because I feel like to the friends that I've talked to about it, um, like I even mentioned Shannon, but anyone, I feel like it's brought up a lot more ways to have easier conversation, whether it's with my dad or my younger coworker. Um, so I think as a whole, it's kind of the thing we always say is that we all go through it together and differently, but kind of the same too. Um, but I'd be curious how that continues to show up in both of your lives, specifically, Kath, because you think you've seen it in the different generations. Um, it's something good to be aware of, Kels, too, while you're learning and creating your toolkit. It's a good question. Absolutely. And just the comment about Shannon um, sparked me thinking, too, that um, – for anyone listening and just acknowledging, or at least I feel this way that, you know, when that time comes, when like more of my friends go through loss at a more similar scale, um, at least how I feel right now is like how I think Shannon feels with you, Mads. Like, like it's one thing if like a total stranger wants to constantly like come to me and like talk about grief, but if they're like my best friends, it's almost like weirdly, um, a gift that I'm more equipped to maybe comfort them than the average friend. And so I would not look at it as a burden whatsoever. If a friend was coming to me for that, um, you know, I've had a friend come to me with like a parent cancer diagnosis and like, we've talked about that there and it almost makes me feel more useful or like a more helpful friend weirdly that I'm like it. And it's not, so triggering or horrible. Like it almost makes me feel like I'm using my grief for good by being able to help someone else or give someone else advice. So just making that clear for like anyone of my friends listening, but also anyone who's listening who like Mads and Shannon, like has a relationship where a friend has gone through something and you, you're hesitant to go to them because you don't want it. But it's like, no, I think I speak for most people, but I obviously want to hear Kath from your perspective too, that I like being able to use it as a way to help and it's not a burden. Again, if you're a total stranger, maybe that's be a <laughs> lot, but like a good friend or someone who you care about in your life is totally different. I like the term grief for good and like, and you know, putting that twist on it and I'm going to pass it to Kath, but it's interesting because as you said, I just was thinking, I mean, I confide in you both pretty soon on, but when I found out that my dad had cancer, I called Kathy because I was like, she knows this feeling. Um, and she was one of the first people I called because I was like, she knows this, she, she can help me, whatever. So you've already been that friend to me. You both have. Um, so Kath, as Kelsey said, are passing the mic to you, but I wanted to make sure I touched on that because I've already had that experience with this group. Yeah. Which is so like interesting to look back on because before Mads was telling me like she texted me saying trigger warning and she wanted to be like super mindful about telling me like even when she did open up she was still trying to be like re obviously respectful and mindful and not trying to trigger me 
as well, um, which I so respect and like I'm grateful for. But I do think I agree. I mean, I don't think I know that I agree with Kelsey's sentiment of it being a gift and feeling almost more useful. It's kind of like, and then Mads, as you mentioned, like the podcast, like that's something new that I'll be able to be share with all of these folks that, and of course, maybe it's decades from now and they're listening to my 26 year old voice, like from years ago, but it's still, I think that some of the stuff that we say will still remain true and there will be things and um, thoughts and experiences that will be relatable still even at that stage, because as we know, that just happens with grief, no matter what age you are, you can still relate to some of the same kind of thoughts, processes and stuff. So that's something that I do know, like, if a friend of a friend has is experiencing a great loss, I've heard, which has been really nice, and thank you to all of my friends who share it, but that they share this as a resource um, to those. So I think that that's also something like really happy to kind of focus on too, of like, which feels weird to say, but that we're creating a resource to, for those future events. Definitely. And I think like it feels like an added special sentiment to be a part of something like this, knowing that it is hopefully helping more people than anybody or that we could be touching individually without it. Right. Like we are growing that network, you know, and we are stronger kind of together in using this resource and in our individual ways with our personal groups of people in our lives. Um, but I kind of think this is a good transition to the other um, stage of grief, acceptance, um, which reading this part out, often confused with being okay with loss. It's more about recognizing our new reality and accepting that new reality without our loved one. We may not like it, but we learn to live with it and reassign roles. Um, so I think, yeah, the, you just hear the word acceptance and you're kind of like, well, I will never, there's a part of me that will never be able to accept that my mom is not here and that is okay. And the idea behind this is more of just like having the tools to just accept the new reality. You don't have to like it. You don't have to be happy every day. You don't have to be thriving every day, but just accepting that the reality is unfortunately without that loved one. And so talking about um, ways we can accept that reality, I think for us three talking about the podcast and having a podcast and using ways to help other people is a way that all of us um, – live in this reality and it's a way that we feel almost productive or like we're using it, like we said, for something good or something positive. Um, I would say that anyone who's experienced any kind of like major loss or trauma, it usually does bring just such greater life perspective and also kind of ties to the quote I read before about you just see the world differently. Um, and I see a lot of stuff out there on social media and a lot of the accounts, you know, we follow with mental health and loss that like people can be more empathetic. People have this like greater perspective or understanding or you don't sweat the small stuff. And that's a factor of acceptance. Um, another way of acceptance, some of the more like tangible things, you know, or like, you know, Kath and I kind of talked about this a little bit, you know, when I 
removed my mom from like my favorites on my phone and, you know, finding ways, different ways to say, I say my family instead of my parents and just like, you know, cleaning and organizing some of her things from the house. So not everything's out in front or, um, you know, taking the time to, to do this podcast instead of like hide from it is like lean into, this is a part of my life now. I might as well do something that can help others. Um, so I don't know if Cass, starting with you, what are ways that you have kind of leaned into acceptance in the way that we're referencing it? Yeah. Well, I first want to say that all the things that you're mentioning that you just mentioned of like these different ways to integrate acceptance into your life can be so heavy and so daunting. And then I feel like there are also some other ones that may not cause any sort of emotional impact and to not feel guilty about that either. I think I've had an experience experiences both ways. Um, I asked Kelsey in private about the cell phone thing. Cause I thought that was so interesting. Cause obviously I was, I mean, I was right around the time where I was getting a cell phone. And so I did have my dad's number in there, but that was like before the boom of like iPhones and everything like that. Like I still had a flip phone. So um, thinking about that, I don't think it like that was as big of an impact, for example, on me um, at the time. I think it's that like editing of the language we've kind of talked about, like when you're talking to people and saying, for me, it was like saying my mom all the time versus my parents because my family still feels like a little bit larger than just the two of us, even though that's true. And that is our family. Um, everything rephrased to my mom, even like to this day, especially because I'm living at home right now. I have, I say like I'm living with my mom and I feel like it's still a sense of like, where's dad? Like, is he in the picture? Does he live in another state? Is he dead? Like there could be all these questions that come up with people. So I think that is a big one of just like rewording, rephrasing everything, saying like my dad is from or was from like that, all the tense changing, like that to me was some of the harder stuff that I had to really feel like I nailed down again, coping mechanism that I did in high school and college and throughout to kind of either avoid conversation or welcome conversation because I knew the minute that I started changing it, people would notice that. Um, I think I'm trying to think of other ways of acceptance. I think, like you said, like the clothes, um, certain like items, whether that be for me, I know through his chemo, my dad was really cold a lot. And so there's like a lot more blankets and like warm things that he was, that he had with him all the time. And even to this day, sometimes I'll see like a blanket that was like on him during that time and still in our house. And I think in the first couple of years that would have really triggered me and made me feel really sad and reminded me of that time period. But now like and this is going to sound really shitty, but it's just the truth. It's just a blanket to me. Like, and yes, there is a little sense of like, oh, like my dad used to like use that blanket a little bit, but like 
that intensity that I associated with just kind of like faded away with time. And I'm wondering like if you guys have felt that too. And to me, that kind of showcases acceptance in a certain manner. Not to say that I don't think about him. And that's another one too, is like the minute that you stop thinking about them every day, I know I like it just like a week went by and I was like, whoa, I didn't think about him for a week. And I felt so weird. I felt a little guilty, which I think is normal. But then I was like, there's gotta be days in the future where I just won't be thinking about him. So I cannot hold on to that guilt. I'm curious if you guys feel like that Mads, like with items or with just like that thinking process too of like, okay, it's been a couple days and I haven't thought about it. And you're like, whoa. And then feeling okay with that. Or did you not, did it take you some time to get over that feeling? Well, I want to say first that when make a comment on you, you know, realizing your blanket was just a blanket. There's some power in that too, though, and not to feel, you know, the guilt or the big heavy thing by this inanimate object who you, which you know, like has had, has had, um, you know, a bigger, was big, much bigger in, in a time of your life, but it's just, there's power in being able to say, okay, that's just what it is. Um, I was trying to jot down whenever Kelsey was bringing this up and introing this topic, and it's going to sound so obnoxious because I remember thinking this was the most annoying thing I've ever heard when it was like dealing with a loss at all was like, oh, it just gets better with time. But I genuinely think that like it really does. Like I think time has been the most like helpful way to gain acceptance. I think that depending on who you're talking to, um, acceptance and like your spirituality can kind of walk hand in hand, which we've touched on a little bit just like spirituality parts of it I'm um, in kind of my thoughts of like if there was something why would this happen and so I think that the easier way for my logic brain to become more accepting of the way that life works and the way that loss works and the fact that you know we've all dealt with grief and everybody does which just kind of know that it's like time and then also pull back on the people that you have with you um also tools like I if I'm you know, having a time. I still luckily have um, Uncle Ken, who is my grandpa's brother, who sounds just like him and looks like him and tells me stories. It was just recently Veterans Day last month. And I was talking to him about how he got drafted and my grandpa didn't get drafted. And I learned it was because my grandpa's eyesight was too bad to to get drafted. It's like, it's like still using it as an opportunity to learn things about him that I didn't know. Um, and having that connection with Uncle Ken has been very um, special to me. I know this week I sent you guys a screenshot. Um, my mom was texting in a group chat and she was like, guys, like, I just miss my dad. Like, just kind of being able to be like, hey, like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I get it. Like, I miss him too. And not making it a whole thing. And then she was like, so anyway, so what do you guys want to do for Christmas Eve? So kind of like making it more of like just a conversation um, and being like, yeah, mom, I get it. I don't know what to say. I miss him too. Uh, that's kind of where it's at. And so I think that that's come with time as well. And it's nice that she can can also kind of be more conversational about it because that's something that is tough. And I think you both, we've all touched on it, but especially with your parents also grieving the loss of your other parent, like it, it can be hard to get into that conversation or to bring that up sometimes too. Yeah, the um, you mentioning Uncle Ken made me think of this quote because – it feels like you still get to learn about this person even after you've lost them. And that shift in mentality, I think, 
I, I think that there is a shift in mentality when you start to do that. At least for me, I know that like I avoided almost talking about him with my family for a long time because it was too much for me. And then I remember reaching a point where like hearing a story actually made me more curious and want to hear more. And there was definitely like a shift that happened. And there was this quote that I read. Um, and this is from David Kessler, who was a co-author with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who came up with the stages of grief. And he founded, um, he's the founder of grief.com. And he was talking about all of the grief work that he does with his clients. Um, and he kind of, and he said, it doesn't mean, so basically that obviously once a person has passed, they're not coming back. And so you're going to grieve for a long time, but it doesn't mean that you will always grieve with pain. He said, to me, the goal of grief work is to eventually remember the person with more love than pain. And for me, that meant that kind of shift that happened of like, oh, being more curious and open to like hearing more of these stories about this person versus like so focused on the sadness. And again, that is kind of like the symbolism, I think, of acceptance as well. And it could take so long. I will tell you that that didn't happen for me until like maybe college, post-college, where I started feeling okay with the fact of like being able to talk about it with people and not feeling so heavy and honestly feeling happy and excited to get to talk about him. Because if I don't, then I don't get to bring his presence into the new relationships that I build from here on out. And I definitely want to do that. I don't know, Kels, if you have any thoughts around that. Yeah, I think I... I'm starting to see like little ways I'm getting to acceptance, but because it is still on the fresher side for me, I'm like still not quite fully there, but I do agree Mads that even though it is a cliche, the like time heals, you know, or time helps is really the only thing. Cause obviously like I certainly feel a progression from like being like a few months out, right. I'm now like two and a half years out. So like I feel that, but I'm still I'm still at the place where I think about her every day and that in some settings I can talk about her, but it's still a little bit hard, like outside of the podcast, obviously outside of the podcast, but in just, you know, casual conversations, like when my friends or family bring her up, um, if brought up in like the, like a high energy way or a fun way or a funny way, like it's mixed where I'm like, my brain is like 50, 50, like ooh, sad or like, ooh, happy. And then I still, as I think I've said, I'm still in a place where it's, and this is added layers of like, when I'm in like a new dating situation or a new like person in my life, it is still a bit hard to just like share that with somebody for the first time. Um, you know, there are still things about, you know, you can say like, I, I, and maybe this is just a preference or maybe this has to do with acceptance. Like I don't as like go to the cemetery when I go home. Like I've, I've just, like, I think I've said, like, I just, that doesn't do anything for me. I don't like that visual, but maybe like 20 years from now I'll have a different relationship with it. And going there could be like a really nice symbolism moment, you know, being present and how, you know, we've, organized and cleaned out and, you know, put away a lot of her things, but we really haven't, you know, moved like it completely out. Like it's like out of sight, but still there. And I don't know if like that's going to come in future years. So 
I definitely see myself in a place where I do, you know, as we say, like it becomes a part of your identity when it's a loss that big. And so like, I've been able to digest that over two and a half years, but I'm obviously, and you know, hope with self-growth and work and awareness and just time, like literally just time in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, like I'm going to have different relationships to it. Um, thank you for sharing that. I know that like you said, it's kind of new and it's tough when I feel like when you can't figure out like an acceptance or like a reason for, you know, something to make sense to you. Um, and I know we said it earlier, but I want to be, um, extra candid about it. I feel like the different layers of grief can also come in the different layers of how you grieve, right? It's like the physical loss of them, like their physical body not being there. And then like you can have a different piece of grief that comes when you realize you can't call them or that you have to pack. Like I feel like with all the different things you have to do when dealing with a loss, those stages all show up differently. And so although I'm like, oh yeah, the acceptance is good. Like I still have random thoughts that's like, I should probably talk to my therapist about how I was with my grandpa when he died and I was the only person there. And like, I have these like weird thought, but it's like, I don't want to unpack that yet. Like I'm just being comfortable with the exact thought of it is now. So I feel like I've got some things in like drawers that I'm like, I should probably talk about this, but like, I'm not going to open that drawer right now and being able to kind of regulate. And I think again, time, age, experience with loss of things, people, um, that, it helps you learn that. Um, so it's kind of the different drawers. So all that to say, Kels, like I think that definitely um, when it comes, you know, it'll come with time. It'll come with whatever. We all, I don't know. I feel like there's so many different layers and so many different ways that everything piles in that it makes sense and it's normal, I feel. <laughs> yeah, I agree too. And I also think like as we move on through our life, our own life stages and personal life stages, some of these different stages of grief might pop up like based on what we're going through. Like when we get married or have kids and a family of our own, if if that's what we want, then some of these things might come up. Like there might be something, for example, Mads, where you're saying like that's in the drawer that like has to come out because now you're being faced with something like that that is rooted in or that 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 um, kind of idea or thought is rooted in. So it'll be interesting to see how it continues to evolve. But I'm really happy that we all got to share our own experiences kind of with each of these stages. And obviously, like we said, grief doesn't just end. We just learn again to accept it. So it'll be we'll continue to evolve and experience them in different ways. I, uh, as we were talking about this, I thought of a good, more positive uh, potential note to end or to start wrapping up on. And that's, I know I've mentioned it, but we called my papa, um, Papa Mac all, all growing up. And my cousin recently had a baby and she named him Mac after us calling my papa, Papa Mac. And so over Thanksgiving, my family was there and they were talking to me about it. And I just thought that was a really cool little homage to him. And like, it's not really a known thing. I mean, a known thing to besides the grandkids, but that's kind of a cool way to, to keep him going too. Um, so I thought that was a really cool piece I wanted to make sure I shared while we were wrapping up an episode. Definitely. And I'm sure that um, Mac will have so much pride and saying that they're named after their grandpa after um, hearing that. And I know I remember like all the little kids, like when I was younger, would be so excited to say like where their name came from. So it's also just like keeping his memory alive. Oh, yeah. No, that's so sweet and such a good way to honor and like kind of 
yeah, channel that grief in like such a really cool, positive way um, and just special for the family and the circle of life. And yeah, like the pride that they'll have for forever and connection and bond, you know, even without ever meeting is just really cool. And I do think that's a happy note to end on. So thank you for listening to hopefully both parts of the five stages of grief. Um, and our different kind of interpretation and experiences with each of the five stages. Um, we hope that you have still been liking everything and want to hear your feedback and want to hear your ideas, especially as we're wrapping up another full year, which is just so crazy. Um, and as always, please follow and subscribe and share it with a friend. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.